Hello, thank you for joining us for the Seed to Sow podcast. My prayer is that you will be blessed by today's word. Our scripture comes from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. And this is how it reads. It is a very familiar scripture. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Now, the subject of our lesson today is pre-qualified to prosper, pre-qualified to prosper. The prophet Jeremiah was called to minister to God's people at a very difficult time. The Israelites were in exile. They were in captivity and they had been taken away from their homes and everything familiar to them. Their sense of familiarity and predictability had been taken away and they were anxious about how long their situation would last. This set of circumstances alone would have made um, the, the situation difficult enough for Jeremiah. It would have been enough by itself to make his job difficult. But on top of their outward dilemma, the people had some inward turmoil going on. They were wayward and disobedient to God. They worshiped other gods and refused to repent of what they knew was rebellious behavior. They were well aware of what God had done for them in the past, but they continued to be disobedient. Jeremiah had the difficult task of ministering to this group of wayward people. He understood their multiple challenges and how distressed they were. But he had to tell them, according to what God told him, that their situation and circumstances were going to last for a while. They would be required to endure 70 years of exile. You know, it's one thing to have news for people that is good news. It's another thing entirely to have to deliver bad news. Obviously, the Israelites were not excited or pleased to hear what Jeremiah had to say. You always want to know that your trial is going to have a short lifespan. But as a prophet sent by God, he had to say to them what God said to him, even if it was difficult to hear. 
you know, one of the things we learn as Christians as we mature and grow is that we have to learn to confront and deal with things that are sometimes difficult. We have to learn to not shy away from the situations or run from difficulty and that we do not have to face any difficulty or challenge alone. James 1 and 5 says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If you want to know what to do, ask God. My grandson the other day was given the responsibility for a few minutes to watch his two-and-a-half-year-old sister. Now, Malik is six, and so he thinks he's grown enough to do this. And so his dad stepped away for a few minutes and said, watch Janai. And so she was in her room, and he wanted to go back to his room to play his video game. So he grabbed his little bike horn, and he took it to Janai, and he said, honk if you need me. <clears throat> well, if you need God's help, you need to honk. You need to call it. So Jeremiah's task was to encourage God's people to trust God in the midst of their difficulty. And his other task was to reassure them that God had a plan for their deliverance. You know, many years ago, I was blessed to purchase my first home. And at that time, I did what most people did. I looked around to find a house that I was interested in. And then I began the work of trying to prove to a lender that my former husband and I could afford the purchase. Well, in recent years, the real estate market has crashed and recovered several times. And so the process of buying a home now has changed before a real estate agent will even show you the first property he or she will say have you spoken with a lender you see there is a pre-qualification and pre-approval process that you have to go through now before they will show you anything these are the first steps toward realizing that dream of home ownership now, I don't know about you, but there are some things I have asked God for, and there are some promises I know God has made to me in his word and to me directly. And like the Israelites, there are times when it seems like I am waiting longer than necessary for the answers to be revealed. I've said to God, God, you can open doors right now that nobody can close. You can close doors nobody can open. You said you would open the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing I don't have room to receive. So what's going on? Maybe you found yourself in what seems to be a holding pattern at times. But I believe God has a pre-qualification process too. And I want to share with you how you can know that you're in the pre-qualification process. You see, our outcome is guaranteed. The victory is ours. The blessings have been promised and they are ours. God has never gone back on a promise. But how do you know you're in the pre-qualification process? 
to prosper. One of the things that happens when you're being pre-qualified by a lender is that you're in constant communication with your lender. Verse 10 says, this is what the Lord says. If you are a believer, when you read those words, your ears ought to perk up and your eyes ought to light up. You ought to want to hear and understand what God has to say. You know, as a parent, I expect that my children will hear my voice and not just hear me, but listen carefully to what I am saying. I expect that out of confidence in the relationship we have, having experienced my love for them, that they will care what I'm trying to tell them. Anytime you come across those words in the Bible, you ought to sit up and take notice. If you don't care what God has to say, you need to go back and check what you have. The scripture says, when 70 years are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise. So number one, you know you are in the pre-qualification process when you are learning to trust God's timing. God had a plan for the length of their captivity. But there was also an appointed time for their deliverance. Their situation was temporary, but God's word is eternal. Remember that just because you haven't experienced the revelation of the answer to your prayer, it doesn't mean the answer's not coming. Time does not nullify God's promise. You know, in the field of education, we talk about something called the state of relaxed alertness, the state of a relaxed alertness. And this is the ideal state you want a student to be in when you're trying to teach him or her something. You don't want students to be anxious or upset or afraid. You want the part of the brain, the amygdala, that regulates emotion and a sense of safety and security to be settled down. You want them to be in a state of relaxed alertness because students in this state of relaxed alertness are most receptive to what you have to teach. When you trust God's timing, you are in a place of relaxed alertness where you are willing to wait for God's appointed time. To get from your time to God's appointed time, you have to trust his timing. Not fuss and fume, not complain, not whine. Are you fully persuaded that at the appointed time, he will come through? You see, your waiting time is God's working time. You might think nothing is happening, but God is doing something in you and for you even though you may not see it. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says, The revelation awaits an appointed time. Though it linger, it will certainly come and not delay. Verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So the second way you know you're in pre-qualification 
is when you are learning to embrace his plan, not just tolerate it, not reluctantly give in to it, not just giving lip service, not saying, okay, God, I, I know you have a plan, but you're holding your plan behind your back. Saying, God, could you just make your plan fit my plan? You see, embracing his plan means giving over your will to his will. Wanting what he wants for you. Being willing to surrender not just to God, what he does, but also how he does it. You know, sometimes when you go shopping and you buy something, and you bring it home and you hang it in your closet, but you keep the receipt, you keep the bag on it, and you keep the tags on it. You say to yourself, I like this kind of, but I might just take it back. Sometimes you buy an outfit and you take it out of the closet and you try it on, but you're not completely satisfied with it, but you still don't want to take the tags off. God says clearly, this is what I want you to do. I have a plan. And you listen and think about it. And you know what he's saying, but you don't take the tags off. Sometimes we say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. If God could just get us to do what we do know to do, if he could get us to love one another, if he could get us to show kindness to one another, if he could get us to give to those in need. God gives us these talents and gifts to glorify him and we know it, but we keep the tags on and we put it back in the closet. You know you're in the pre-qualification process when you have a burning desire to do God's will, when you embrace his plan. After all, Jesus did in his earthly ministry, there was still this one more most important thing God directed him to do, and that was to die on the cross. The thought of it was painful. It was frightening even. But when it came down to it, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. When God tells us to do the hard things, it's not because he sees less in us. It's because he sees more in us. So you know, second, when you, that you're in pre-qualification when you are learning to embrace his plan. The third way you know you're in pre-qualification is when you are more persuaded to pray. Verse 12 says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You see that word then? He said, then you will call on me. Have you gotten to then yet? For many of us, some things have to happen to get us to then. What does God have to do? to get you to then? What does God have to do to convince you of the necessity and power of prayer in your life? What will it take for us to learn to bring every care to him? 
When will we stop whining about it and talking about it and turning it over and over in our minds and give that thing to God? In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the apostle says, After Peter and John prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Do you need some things shaken up in your life? Some relationships, your finances, your peace of mind, your emotional state, your health. If you need some things shaken up, the thing to do is pray. When you feel the spirit of God tugging at your heart early in the morning, instead of rushing out or rushing off to do something else, and you get down on your knees, you know you're being pre-qualified. When you get a check in the mail and that still small voice says, you know you need to get on your knees and thank God because you know it was God who sent that money. If in your life experience you have felt like you're in a place of confinement or captivity, unable to move or escape from your trial, what we need to do is talk less and pray more. You know, I was riding in the car with my oldest grandson a long time ago, and we were on our way to church on Sunday morning. He had spent the night at my house, and he was quiet in the back seat. And then he said, Nana, can I call my daddy? And I said, is something wrong? Do you need something? And he said, no, I just want to tell him good morning. Have you had that desire lately? When you get up in the morning, do you have the desire to say, Father, I just want to tell you good morning. I just want to say thank you for allowing me to open my eyes to a new day. I just want to say thank you for all you've done in my life already. If you didn't do anything else from this point on, you've blessed me so much there wouldn't be anything I could say. Finally, verse 13 says, you will seek me. And find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You know you're being pre-qualified to prosper. When you have begun to seek him wholeheartedly. No limit. No holding back. No reserve. Nothing set aside. No windows or doors of your life closed to him. Some of us have been Christians for a long time, but we can count on one hand the number of days we can truly say we have gotten up in the morning and sought the Lord wholeheartedly. We say, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, God, but just don't send me over there. I'll serve you, but just don't interfere with me watching HBO. I'll do what you want me to do after my TV show is over. I'll do what you ask. But just don't interfere with my days off. I will love your people, but I just can't stand those little children over there. Just don't ask me to love those people who are so unlovable. When you seek him with your whole heart, your focus changes from what you want from God to what you want to give to God. It means surrendering to what God wants you to do in you and through you. You know, my former mother-in-law used to come and visit 
And she loved to cook. She loved to stay in the kitchen. And I would get out of the way. And she would cook all the dishes she knew everybody liked. But she had a practice where she would put out most of the food. But she would do what she called holding back on a certain amount. And so she would put out the food, but certain things, certain dishes, she would hold back. And so one day I cooked and the food was all laid out for Sunday dinner. And she said, she looked at several of the containers and she said, do you want to hold these back? And I said, no, I don't do that. I don't hold back anything. Everybody is welcome to have everything that's out there. But don't we do that with God sometimes? We hold back certain areas of our lives. We hold back certain challenges that are so dear to our hearts that we don't surrender them to God. But that 13th verse says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Our reward is guaranteed. The victory is promised. God has promised to answer our prayers. The purpose of pre-qualification is to make sure that when you get into that house, you can stay there. You can dwell there. And you have the resources you need to stay. God takes us through pre-qualification because he wants to make sure we are ready to abide with him. That we're in this thing for the long haul. Verse 14 says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. God says, I will be found by you. I will bring you back. I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you. You know, as believers, it really should be enough for us. Based on our experience with the Lord, it should be enough for us to know that he is going to make it all right. It should be enough for us to know that he has a plan. This God who loves us with an unfailing love, we just ought to trust him through the pre-qualification process. Because just as he said, he knows the plan he has for us. I don't know about you, but that's enough for me. That's enough for me to know that he has a plan. He's proven himself to me so many times. That even though I didn't know what he was doing or how he was going to work it out, that in the final analysis, he has never failed. He has never failed to come through. He's never failed to meet my needs. He's never failed to know what I need. He's never failed to provide. So I'm going to trust his timing. I'm going to embrace his plan. I'm going to respond when I'm prompted to pray. And I'm determined that I will seek him with my whole heart. 
Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Join us again next week for the Seed to Sow podcast with Reverend Lisa Weathers Hall. You can also reach us by email at seed to sow ministry at gmail.com. S E E D T O S O W ministry at gmail.com. God bless you.